Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to look at verse number 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We need, I'm going to stay at the beginning of the message, we need more families that will diligently seek the Lord. The modern family today doesn't need a bigger house. They don't need a better job opportunity. They don't need a second car. They don't need that extra week for a family vacation. They need to diligently seek God. What we need is another, we need another church service during the week. We need a second time of prayer during the day. We need more opportunity to serve God. We need a week that is filled with family devotions. That's what we need. That's a family that is diligently seeking God. We need to seek him. We are so busy being busy that we have forgotten how to seek God. Adrian Rogers said, if Satan can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. <laughs> I thought that's a pretty good quote. We're so busy that we don't have time to seek God and serve God. Genesis chapter 1. That's our first point for this morning. You want to have a Christian family? Seek God. Genesis 1 verse 26. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female, created he them, and God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, of the sea, over the fowl, of the air, over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And aren't, aren't those great biblical truths with so familiar passage? But it says God created man in his own image in the image of God. The second downfall of the American modern family is images. We are bombarded with images. It has moved from magazine images to billboard images. It has moved to we are completely connected to something that we can hold in the palm of our hand. We've got TikTok, we've got Facebook, we've got Instasyn, we've got Snapchat, we've got YouTube. We've got all of these things that constantly are putting visual imagery in front of us. I'm not saying I don't use those things. What I'm saying, and I'm not saying to you don't use those things. What I'm saying is we have become locked into a scroll. That locks us in. Our doctrinal statement isn't what is on 
our local church's doctrinal statement. Our doctrinal statement is we pull out of our pocket, we open our phone up, and we just start a scrolling. That's what we believe. And it's all powered with visual imagery. We become what we see. We, we strive to live out what we're constantly putting in front of us. And dare I say to us all this morning, we need to be careful. We need to be real careful on how much we get locked in. We are created in the image of God. We should strive to not only diligently seek him, but we should strive to live our life reflecting the image of Jesus Christ and his character. I'm going to say that as a warning and also as a charge. Uh, something interesting and so basic that I don't know how you would miss this. But the Bible says uh, this is going to be real, real deep. Verse 27, at the end of the verse, male and female created he them. It doesn't say male and he male. It doesn't say male and lumberjack. It doesn't say male and butch. It says male and female. You know what that would be? That would be two genders. You have a male and a female. I didn't go to some crazy theological seminary institute to learn that. I learned it by reading the Bible. I learned it by being brought up by parents who weren't completely indoctrinated with insanity and stupidity. Male and female. That's two genders. So when you see on, the, on whatever you're filling out now that we have to fill out, when it says male and female and then non-binary, that means, you know what that means? They don't believe in male and female. It means not two. <laughs> There's only two genders, and you are assigned a gender by God who created you. He assigned you who you are. God identifies you. God created you either male or female. You don't get to identify yourself. Unless you want to show your lack of common sense and your utter rebellion against a holy God. I hope that we cleared any confusion that anybody listening out there may have had. We have two pronouns as a result of a male and a female. Be a he and a she. Okay? It'll be a his and a her. A him and a her. People say, I want to express myself. Let's go back to try and express yourself by living your life in the image of God. I just want to relate to this world in my own way. No. How about trying to relate in a way that reflects the image of God and how he created you? You're not on a journey of self-love. You're not on a journey of self-expression. You're on a journey of, with rebellion against your creator God who loved you enough to create you and assign you and identify you the way he saw fit. Embrace that. Get on that journey. People don't want the, the authority of God. They don't want the expectation that God puts on them. And they don't want to give glory to God. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 11, love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart. 
with all your soul. Goes on to say to walk in all his waves and to cleave unto him. He loves you enough that he says, but even the very hairs on your head are all numbered. People are on this little self journey of gender identification. It's going to lead them straight to hell. Like God said, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Everlasting life. That's how much God loved. All these people that are confused. He gave his only begotten son. The other thing we see about the family in Genesis chapter one is that it, we are told uh, as we read this, that God said in verse 28, God bless them that be uh, in the garden here we're at. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. The idea was to be, well, the earth had to be replenished. I think we've accomplished that, right? We have to remember uh, how to rightly divide the word of truth. Yes, we are to replenish. When I look around, there's plenty of people. <laughs> okay? We are to be fruitful. Uh, the fruit of the womb is the reward that the Lord gives uh, women. And But I want to park on this idea of fruitfulness for the Lord. Because the American family, if they're good at one thing, they're good at becoming unfruitful and they're good at dividing. So I want to look at this from a little bit of a spiritual perspective this morning rather than the physical perspective. Families are made by replenishing houses. <laughs> you go from you leave your mom and dad's house and you go and you start your own family. We get that. There's plenty of messages on that that are great. We're going to park on. Being fruitful for the Lord. Kids nowadays are just filled with these thoughts. All my mom and dad do is fight and scream and argue and bicker. Or they're filled with the thought, my mom and dad don't even talk to each other. My mom and dad, I don't remember the last time they hugged each other or communicated or it's just insanity. Anybody that you talk to that works in the public school system can testify to the, to the fact that this fighting and arguing and then this polar opposite of silencing and avoiding, it's not from God. The silence treatment. When you say, well, I don't yell and scream at my spouse. I just ignore them. The idea of withholding conversation you're withholding love, you're withholding respect, and you justify that by saying, well, I didn't throw the frying pan at them. <laughs> well, praise the Lord, nobody had to go to the hospital, but they're dying inside. And it's because when we do that, or when you do that, or when I do that, we're just so full of self-love and self-pride and it shows. It's a form. I'm telling you, it's a form of emotional abuse. There's a time to keep silence. There's a time to button your mouth. There's a time to just not say anything. I'm sure 
everybody here has either said or has heard the phrase, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That doesn't mean don't talk forever. <laughs> because if that's you, then that means you're the problem. You have to find nice things to say. In 1 Samuel 15, you know the, ver the verse, it, goes, it says to obey is better than sacrifice. And then it goes on to say for the rebel for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. How many of you parents and grandparents have heard the preaching on the sin of witchcraft and, 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 and the rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and children need to obey their parents. And, you know, all the rebellion that we have with all the youth. Well, sir, God told you husbands. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Are you obeying that? If you're not, you're acting like a witch. <laughs> you're disobeying, and that rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Ma'am, God told you, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. I don't know what ladies work and don't work. But if you're going to go and submit to a boss and come home and then mouth off to your husband, you're out of line. It's just not, it's not right. If you're going to submit to other men as authority and not to your own husband. May I say to you, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. Don't use that verse for children or rebellious teenagers. If you're disobeying God, if I'm disobeying God, if we're disobeying God, rebellion is as a sin, as the sin of witchcraft. We need to obey God. I know what you're thinking. Well, doesn't the Bible say there's a time to keep silence? There is. There's a time. But it doesn't say all the time. We need to be careful that we obey God. First Peter chapter two, keep your finger in Genesis, please. We'll return there. Right now, let's get first Peter chapter number two. Church is built on the Lord Jesus Christ. The head of the church isn't a pastor. The head of the church isn't a pope. The head of the church is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Right. Everybody say amen. That I mean, that's that's some amen. solid truth. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Fill it through a few others. If you if you if you know them, shout them out. All right. First Peter, chapter two. Right. We, we, we know that Jesus Christ is the head. Have we emphasize that enough. We, we can never do it, but I'm doing that on purpose. First Peter two, seven. Unto you, therefore. Which believe he is precious. But unto them which be disobedient. The stone which the builders disallow. The same is made the head of the corner. We already talked about what that means. Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. That's what the church is built on. May I remind you. That the church, the body of Christ, which it is, is made up of. People. Who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. 
if we are disobedient, if we are dividing our families, if we are too busy to diligently seek God, what do you think the culture of that local church would be? What do you think the culture of the universal church at large would be? A reflection of families that have been disobedient and not diligent to seek after God. We're good at understanding doctrine. We need to be just as diligent to be able to apply that doctrine and live Christ. Live Christ. The divided family is the root problem that we have in America. And may I say worldwide. The divided family leads to school trouble. The divided family leads to teenage pregnancies. The divided family leads to drug abuse. It leads to alcohol abuse. This is real life that we live in. This isn't a cartoon. This isn't a reality show. We get to tune in and live our lives through somebody else that makes it kind of look pretty good for 40 minutes. This is real life. This is our life. We need to find ways biblically to diligently seek God and unite and be a family that is fruitful spiritually for God. Will we please strive to be a church that does that? Now we're back in Genesis. We'll move on to chapter two. All right, Genesis chapter two, let's start reading verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. We see that again. We got a mother and a father. We have a man leaving and he takes on a, a wife. We have male and female. It can't be more obvious. And they shall be one flesh. We're not dividing. Moms and dads stay together. Now, if something happened and, and divorce is rampant, God hates divorce. But if it happens, you need to live your life for God in the situation and in the, and in, and in the relationship that God has you in. But this idea that these churches and these lawyers and these help groups are encouraging people to split and divorce is way out of line. We want to encourage people to stay together. You have problems, work your problems out. You have problems, get some help. You know where the last place people are going nowadays for help? That'd be the local church. There's a psychologist they can call. 
there's somebody at work that they can go to the bar with after uh, after eight nine hours instead of going home to their wife they can just go to the bar and speak to their barkeeper or their friend complain about their wife this their wife that wives has plenty of groups they can join online they can They'll go shopping all day while their husband's at work and complain about them. You know where the last place people are going to get help? Each other and the church. The church used to be, talking culturally speaking, a place where families could come and get some help. To work their problems out. Now it's encouraged to just get, just get away from each other. You know what we see, bone of my bone? You know what marriage is? Marriage is the backbone of society. And you know what we see rampant all over America? Divorce, division, no backbone to society and godly families. May I say to you this morning, big family, small family, kids, no kids, grandkids, no grandkids. We need to unite, not divide. We need to show this world that we've got a backbone. <laughs> bone of my bone. It's one flesh. We're staying together. Where else we got here? Let's look here. Genesis chapter 2. So that last verse. Bible says, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And that's appropriately put. Society has gotten it completely backwards. The routine is now you can't you can't go out shopping, let alone turn anything on or, or a billboard. Nakedness is all over the place. If you were to go to the beautiful beaches and the, the ocean and the sand that God so wonderfully created in 1890 or 1900, people would have their clothes on. You know, it's okay to go into the water with your clothes on. Now you go to the beach and you need to be careful because people take their clothes off. They're not ashamed to be naked. They're not ashamed to walk around with everything exposed. The whole world's got it flipped upside down. It's reserved for a man and a woman when they get married. It's not reserved to put everything out there for the whole world to see. Nobody's ashamed anymore. The Bible says in Mark 10, What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put us under. Genesis chapter 3. Let's start reading at verse 1. We'll read five verses. In Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, Ye shall not eat of it, Neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. And the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, 
Then your eyes shall be open and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and knowing evil. You know what they didn't find? The promise that the devil made to them. They found shame. And it wasn't just that they were oh, aware of something. No, they felt real legitimate shamefulness because of their sin. Look what it says and keep reading in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. Watch what it says. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were open, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Do you see in the beginning of what we just read where it says the woman saw and it was pleasant to the eyes? Typically it's said nowadays when we teach especially young people that guys are more visual and have to be careful of what they watch, what they look at, what they see. They're, they're visual in nature. And it's typically said women have to be careful uh, what they hear. Their emotions will take them away. You know, a, a teenage boy will say something to a teenage girl and get her just touch her emotions. The next thing you know, she's starting to get the seed. Boy, teenage boy will see something. Now he's off track. He's he's so deceived because of what he sees. He's just so off track. And so we try to teach men and women and young men and women these principles so that they don't get themselves involved in something they ought not to before they're ready to, right? We all know that. But here, Eve is the one who sees something. And is visually deceived. I found that to be interesting. The woman saw it was pleasant to the eyes. And there they are. There they are in the garden. And you know what they declare? They declare their declaration of independence is what they declare. (laughs) I am going to buy into this temptation and this lie. Keep your finger in Genesis. And I want you to go to Isaiah. Chapter number 14. The book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter number 14. Here's the fall of. Lucifer, Satan, the devil, the serpent, Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which didst weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like 
the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. You see that in Isaiah 14? I will ascend. I will exalt. I will sit. I will be light. You ever catch yourself always talking about I, 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 I? Should be God, 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 God. But you get the point. Watch what it says in Genesis. Look at Genesis again. We're in chapter three. It says. It says here. Uh, okay, here it is in verse number five. Watch, watch what the serpent says to the woman. Watch. Verse five, right in the middle. Your eyes shall be open. Watch what it says in the next part of it. Ye shall be as gods. You'll know good and evil. Satan in his heart, pride brought him down. I will ascend. I will exalt. I will sit. I will be like. And he used the same trick that he duped himself with and fell for the whole garden deal, the whole declaration of independence in the garden. And he said, oh, you you can be, you can be, you can be. But the reality for Lucifer was he was brought down to hell, Isaiah 14. The, the reality for <clears throat> Adam and Eve. You shall not surely die, except they were brought down and they did die. Spiritually, they were separated from God. Let me take a minute to park and talk a little bit of the United States of America. In 1776, we declared our independence. No more British rule. We are going to rule and govern ourselves. Praise the Lord. I'm thankful for the freedom, aren't you? Praise God. You know who was instrumental in that? Thomas Jefferson. You know what, Thomas? You can go right now to the Smithsonian, the National Museum in, in Washington, D.C. And you know what you can view? The Thomas Jefferson Bible. Wow, that sounds very interesting. Oh, it is interesting. Here's some facts about the Jefferson Bible. Thomas Jefferson was so spiritual that he clipped out parts of the Bible that he didn't like. Namely, the resurrection, the ascension, you know, a few miracles here and there, the deity of Christ. And he left the morality of Christ or the good things that Jesus did in living his life, but he cut out the stuff that he didn't like and agree with. That was the man who was instrumental in the Declaration of Independence. Look, I'm thankful for it. Proud to be an American. Hallelujah. Red, white, and blue. Look, I'm, I'm all for it. Thankful that the freedom we have to do all this. I couldn't do this. You couldn't do this in some communist countries. 
I don't want to be born anywhere. I thank God that we were born here. All of it. All of it. Thankful for it. But when a nation is founded upon the morality of Jesus and not the deity of Jesus Christ, not the resurrection of Jesus Christ, not the ascension of Jesus Christ, and not the miracles of Jesus Christ, we have declared our independence against God, not for God. That's why in our nation, we have freedom. If we want to worship a tree, we can gather at the park down in, at Dogwood Park in the center of Cookville, and we can all have a little prayer circle around a tree, and we can worship a tree if we want to. You're laughing. People are doing that in this town. You can be a Jehovah's Witness. You can be a Hare Krishna. You can be a Buddha. You can be a... You're free to worship who you want, when you want, and how you want. You can sit in the lotus position. You can burn incense. You can say, oh... Oh. You can chant all types of silly things. Why? Because Thomas Jefferson and some other men said, the British aren't going to rule us. And we have the United States of America. Do you thank the Lord that you can, if we wanted to right now, we can leave here and go knock on doors and tell somebody about Jesus Christ and how he died for their sin. Are you thankful that you can do that? I am. You know who else can do that? The Jehovah's False Witnesses. The Bicycle Boys. Don't laugh. You're not putting on a white shirt that says Josiah Elder at 14 and driving around knocking on all the doors in the neighborhood. Josiah and Josiah, the elders of our church. <laughs> they're, they're all 18 to 25 and... I, Look, I can't figure it out any more than you can figure it out. But I know this. They've got freedom to do it just like we've got freedom to do it. I'm thankful for the freedom. But what I'm telling you is if we are free as Americans. But we are not free from the bondage of our sin. What in the world have we accomplished as Christian families that has eternal perspective? I'm going to change the government. I'm not. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm going to make the government. I'm not messing with the government. I'm leaving them alone and I'm praying they leave us alone. I want the gospel to get out. And if families are going to be fruitful, we need to stay on task, stay on message, not forget our great commission. And that is how we will be fruitful with an eternal perspective. Here's something else that's encouraging. Genesis chapter four. Are you encouraged this morning? Okay, good. I'm trying to be more encouraging and less discouraging. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Glad you're paying attention. Timing them just right. Uh, Genesis chapter four. Okay. Where are we? Okay. Uh, where are we? Okay. Here we are. Verse number seven. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. If thou 
doest not well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, verse 8, and it came to pass, when they were in the field, that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Moms and dads, here's how it went. I want you to go out and do your farm chores. There's some field work needs to be done. Needs to be plowed, plowed, and all that came along with that. And a mother, the first mother, experienced the loss of her son, who was murdered. Not by somebody that was so mixed up with the wrong crowd and on drugs and on alcohol and got mixed up with all of these radical social leftist movements. No. Somebody that you could very well argue had the best parents that they could be. You couldn't have gotten any closer to God than that. And Cain murders his brother. That's the first murder. Well, it was because of all that music they were listening to in their room. Funny, they didn't have. It must have been all that TV and internet stuff that they're filled with, all that filth getting dumped into the home. I'm not for any of it either. We don't have a TV with a cable line hooked up to it where just filth is getting pumped into our home. And I would encourage you not to have filth pumped into your home. Okay? We have a septic system where all the junk and the bad stuff goes away from the home and gets buried and the lid goes on it. We don't look at it. We don't smell it. We don't touch it. None of that. And you hook up that internet line, you hook up that cable line, all that filth gets pumped into your house. You just put a sewer of stench and junk right into your home. Don't expect it to not ruin your home. You get that junk out of there and replace it with something godly. But my point in saying this is, Cain and Abel didn't have that. They didn't have the influence of bad friends. They didn't have the influence of the public school system. It was two brothers. And one killed the other. Now, moms, you think about being that parent. And you just lost your son. Except you didn't just lose one, you lost two. Because Cain is now, what the Bible says, a fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Never settle down, never have any certain direction in life. Always driven to and fro. Forget about being a pilgrim. We know where our home is. We're on a journey and we know where we're going. We're not fugitives, we're not vagabonds, we're pilgrims. Imagine living like that. Cain could have worshipped God, but instead he killed his brother. Like Brother Kelly brought out in the Sunday school lesson. It's your heart. A wicked heart's going to do wicked things. Genesis chapter 3. Let's finish with one last point. Hope it's been helpful to you. As we think about our families, as we try now to be more diligent to seek God for our families and his will for our families. Let's read verse number three. 
uh, chapter three, I'm sorry. We're going to read some all the way from seven to twenty one. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. They heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. People sin. People hide their sin. It doesn't change. Children, when you disobey mom and dad, you want to hide it from them. You don't want them to know. It's because we're sinners, all of us. Children, you're sinners. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Who did God hold responsible for his home? Young men, young boys, if you want to be a young man, you're going to have to learn to be responsible. When you have a family, you're responsible. Don't complain when you grow up and God sends you a wife. That's a scary thought. I'm only kidding. God's got somebody playing for you. You don't blame your wife. You take responsibility. If she's not happy, find out a way to make her happy. I just don't know how to make her happy. None of us do. We just look for ways. The idea is your heart. It's not, I got to have the answer. Don't go buy a hundred books. You're going to buy a hundred books. You're going to read them all. And then you're going to still be at the same place you were when you started. You got no idea what she's thinking or how to make her happy. The idea is the heart. Do your best to make her happy. Don't complain that she's always unhappy. You are responsible. If you're a man. Now, if you're a little boy playing little boy games and on Facebook and all this and doing all these video games online and wasting your life trying to, you know, be the Tetris champion of the world, then, yeah, you're going to have problems. Wanting to be the husband of the world, wanting to be the dad of the world. Instead of buying yourself your shirt that says world's best dad, let your kids give it to you on Father's Day. You're responsible. And God calls Adam responsible. And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, who told thee that thou was naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldst not eat? These rules just aren't fair. You Then leave. Leave the garden. <laughs> Kids complain, well, these rules aren't fair. There's too many rules. Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created by God. And they had one. You know what this proves? It don't matter what the rules are. We like to disobey and break rules. Everybody wants to focus on, well, what's the fruit? Well, I think it's a pomegranate. That sounds spiritual. <laughs> You know, if you're really if you're a health nut, no, it's acai. I mean, that's got a lot of nutrients in it. Got that out of Brazil. That couldn't have been in Eden. No. You, everybody wants to focus on the fruit, and you should be focusing on the disobedience. They disobeyed the one. Well, it's a silly rule. Yeah, they disobeyed the one silly rule. Stop fighting and arguing that the rules are silly. 
and instead just learn to obey the Lord. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me. That's not a man, man and up. And I did eat. The Lord said unto the woman, what is it thou hast done? The woman said, the serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. The Lord God said unto the serpent, because thou hast done this, thou art first above all cattle. Every beast of the field upon thy belly thou shalt go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it, cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat in all the days of thy life. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee. Thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return to the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and the dust shalt thou return. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And unto Adam also unto his wife, We'll end with this verse. Did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothe them? What they made wasn't enough. Because they've sinned. And they had to be clothed by God to cover their sin. How you live your life and what you do to cover your sin. And when you do to declare your independence, Thomas Jefferson, you know what he did to declare his independence? He cut out the verses of the Bible that he didn't like. You know what Americans do today? They cut out the verses of the Bible that they don't like. And they find somebody on YouTube or online or TBN or somewhere that's going to give them what they want to hear. That's Thomas Jefferson thinking. God clothed Adam and Eve because what they tried to do to cover their sin was not enough. No amount of good works will cover your sin. You need to be clothed with the righteousness that is provided in the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else will provide a covering for your sin. That is why Jesus Christ came. Because we have a sin problem and he died for your sin and he will clothe us with his righteousness if we would only receive the free gift that's offered to us. May God help all of our families to diligently seek God. To be thankful and praise him that we are made in the image of God and live our life to show that forth. May we strive to be fruitful. And what we made the application this morning was spiritually. May we be reminded that we need to be careful about using rebellion as the sin of witchcraft. If we as moms and dads are disobeying God as well. Let us not forget that marriage, the bone of my bone, marriage is the backbone of society. And lastly. 
if any of us think that we're more spiritual than the first family that God created, let us guess again. It couldn't have got more perfect. It couldn't have been better weather. It couldn't have been a nicer garden. But they sin. Let us not forget where we came from. Sinners saved by God's grace. Please. And that'll be the that'll be the start of us really getting around God's word and getting our families. Let's level it up to be more in line with Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.